Fair of the Free Child podcast is supported by interesting, curious, liberation-minded individuals over at patreon.com forward slash Akila. Shout out to our newest patron, Tamika. All right, let's get into the show. When you start to see the nuggets open up onto something different, the what you've known becomes unacceptable. It's like you're in this weird place of going forward is scary, but going backwards is terrifying. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities, and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. Asia is doing the sort of thing that people who listen to this podcast think about all the time, designing a life that feels like free, right? Designing a life that feels like, yes, my liberation is something that I am in full ownership of and I'm making good use of the fact that I'm alive and free. So I want to get to the protein to the amino acids of this bitch, especially when it comes to education, because we know, I'll speak to the Black experience as I live it, that education has been the focal point because it is the one constant that you can rely on. I'm using air quotes. It's the thing that feels like no matter how far back we look in our history, there's never been a time where education wasn't beneficial not without its detriments, but there was no time where it wasn't beneficial. I want us to challenge that thought. I'm hoping that this episode disrupts that thought to say, is education as we frame it in terms of public education or even just the focus on getting to college, is that how we can own ourselves? Is that the best route as far as we can see it, for our children to design their own liberation. Is it? Is it truly? Do you know this based on experience? Do you know this because your children are thriving emotionally in schools? And of course, I'm asking a lot of those questions rhetorically because if you're listening to this podcast, then you're doing some de-schooling. You realize that the things you knew, quote-unquote, or the things you suspected A lot of those things need to come down off that top shelf so you can really examine them and decide whether it's trash or whether it works for you or whether you need to pivot in another direction. Asia had a lot of those opportunities where she needed to face some things, disrupt some things, and then see what direction she wanted to go in. And that direction took her and her son straight to Mexico. Be sure to check out the show notes page for today's episode, akilasrichards.com forward slash eight two. I'm going to put a link to another podcast that you are on Asia because 
she did a fantastic job asking you the same questions that I would be asking you to start it off. So why reinvent the wheel? So let's show some love to Woke Mommy Chatter. So make sure to go to the show notes page for this episode and you'll get a direct link. You'll hear Asia's full story about how she went from being a business analyst to working remotely to being like, you know what, never mind. And her and her son applying for their passports, getting them, being at the end of their ropes and being like, oh, we have options. And that option was moving to Mexico. She's going to cover all of that. Okay. (laughs) What I loved about the story too, was that it was very much that space of you went beyond imagining life outside of your current circumstance to designing and then living outside of your current circumstance. And I think that's something that is really difficult, particularly for Black folks, Indigenous folks, people of color, because so much of our existence has been about surviving and being very realistic about what's going on in front of us, what safety factors are in front of us, what economic struggles are in front of us, what social struggles are in front of us. And not that they tend to stop us, but they do determine how we operate. And so I think one of the results of that, one of the byproducts of that is that it's hard for us to imagine beyond our circumstance. Yes. Let me tell you, I was thinking when you were talking about how you can't get beyond or it's a struggle to get beyond what's right in front of you. I will never forget when I lived in Chicago, I was talking to a mentor of mine and I was on the phone. I like I can see it visually. I know exactly where I was, what building. (laughs) And we were talking and I was crying and I said, I'm so tired of surviving. When do I get to thrive? Because he had just called me a survivor. And I was like, he's like, you're strong. You're capable. You're a survivor. And I'm like, I don't want to be a survivor. I want to be a thriver. And at that time, I was in my early 20s, mid 20s. So that was a while ago. That wasn't yesterday. Right. (laughs) And it's taken this whole time to be able to get to this place of saying, I am thriving. I can do something different. I don't have to follow the status quo. And the reason that I'm qualified is because I've walked that path and it's been quite intentional path. Yes. And it's very uncomfortable. And that might be one factor that a lot of people struggle with doing it because it's not comfortable. Your family and your friends are looking at you like, are you crazy? They are thinking, oh, that's Asia doing her own thing over there. You know what I mean? Again, (laughs) right? Because I'm sure it's not the first foray, even though, as you say, you, you are a rule follower. People were getting the, you know, even when you started working from home, all the things with your son, it was another thing on the checklist of it threatens your support system is what it does. It does. And you have to be willing to let that go to let something else in. I remember about two or three years prior to pulling my son out of school and homeschooling him, I was telling my uncle my dream, like my ultimate dream was I was working remotely at that time. And I was telling him my ultimate dream was to get my job remote, get my son's school remote so we can travel the world. And he was like, but then you'd have to homeschool him. And I was like, I know. And (laughs) out came all of this like 
you know, just fear based. He's not going to know how to function in society if you pull him out. Because everyone who went to school knows how to function in society, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's just all this stuff. And I literally was on the phone shocked because this is like, I love this uncle. Like this is when I have a struggle or a question or just to chat, like this is who I call. So I was on the phone really taken aback. And I was just like, wow. So yeah, it's been intentional and it's been being willing to have people see me as quote unquote crazy or whatever they think of and just truly staying true to what I feel I need in my life. And sometimes it's been very lonely. It's been very hard. I feel very misunderstood, but it doesn't mean that I have to shift my path, right? Exactly. Because what happens is, and I know you can attest to this and y'all go listen to that other podcast because you talk about some of the things that happened, even that same woman who was such a godsend and how you went there and found the place, how you got the scoop that in Mexico, the best thing to do is to get the Airbnb when you get there. Like that's a gem alone right there. All these paths that opened up that had you just been sitting in the fear space fearful of not having the support. And that's a legitimate fear. Like, let's not front or even feeling isolated. If you sat in those fears, you would have never have seen all of the other supportive resources that would be there for you. Yep. And that's been the biggest thing I've learned is that, yeah, I could have sat in the fear because I have struggled with anxiety. So I know all about fear making decisions. Yep. But I refuse. Like my friend told me the other day, it's just like your mission in life to bust every fear you have. (laughs) And I never thought about it that way until he said it. And then I thought about it and I'm like, that's true because every time things start feeling really comfortable, I'm like, okay, what do I got? What do I got (laughs) to do next? Right? Like we got to do something else because comfort is just, I'm not growing. I'm not learning. I'm not pushing when I'm sitting in comfort. Yeah. Because you're a thrivist, as you said, that to me is one of those characteristics of how I define thrive. Because my comfort space has to be something that I see as such a non-issue. I dip in and out of it whenever I want. doesn't mean I don't want to be comfortable. It means that I recognize that discomfort is something for me to embrace too, because how else do I thrive based on my definition? And I think that the definition of it is a part of the process too, because your definition of success, Asia, when you were a business analyst, when you were climbing the corporate ladder was different, I imagine, than now, right? It was different, but it also was different than other people's, which is why I struggled so much with it. I never felt comfortable with it. I always felt like a fish out of water or like I was pushing a boulder up a mountain because I did still have a bit of a different definition. And I'm in this environment where everybody's definition looks one way and mine looks another. (laughs) My favorite quote, or not favorite, but one thing I found myself saying all the time because I managed HR systems was we're not curing cancer, people. Like, stop calling at six o'clock in the morning and acting like somebody's about to die if we don't get this done. And it was just so I've always had a little bit, but compared to where it is now, Yeah, it's dramatically (laughs) different. Like it's not even in the same book. And I think that's key also to being willing to live a different life is that you have to be willing to see what success means for you. 
right? And that's different for every single person. So like with the single mom's path to freedom, my whole thing in that is I feel like I hit on mindset so much. Like we have so many topics, but I find myself coming to your frame of mind around each individual topic a lot because it is a dramatic shift. Like people think, I had a question today and she said, I'm a salesperson. So how can I get a job in sales abroad? Like, no, it's a mindset shift. You probably are not going to get a job in sales abroad. (laughs) Like you have to (laughs) shift how you think about this, how you think about earning money, how you think about creating income for yourself. And some people do carry on the same jobs, but most people don't. Most people reinvent themselves. They learn new things about themselves and they find different ways to make money, right? And the same thing with schooling your kid. Like you think it's one way or another, but no, there's 20 options out here. It's just a matter of, do you see it? Exactly. And are you so afraid that you couldn't possibly see it? Because as you said, a lot of it, we don't even know about. So even when we see it, even if you come across Asia or you come across Akila, can you see us? Yeah. Can you see us? And that's what's so important about the whole game changer thing. I love that you call it how international living can change the game because that's really what it is. It's a game. You all of it, even your approach to owning yourself. I can gamify that in my mind to say these are the directions that I set up. These are the parameters for me. As you said, that's I'm asking the question differently. I'm not saying how would I get a sales job? You got a sales job as a result of the circumstances and maybe desires in your life at a certain time. What are the current circumstances and desires? So now you apply that question to the options you have now and sales may or may not still be on that list. So much of it is about asking different questions or even being willing to freaking ask questions. That's a huge one. Because if you're not even willing to ask questions, if you're just willing to accept what is and not willing to question anything, then you don't even start to see the possibilities. Like for me moving abroad, people like to think it's just like, I made this decision and bam, it happened. And that's not what happened with me. (laughs) It was little questions that led to answers. And then those answers led to more questions. And then I got answers for those. It's like a trail, right? So for me, people say, oh, when did you decide to move abroad? And it's like, I really can't pinpoint a moment because it really didn't happen like that for me. I had that dream. I told my uncle about it years ago, but I wasn't actively like pursuing it. It just was these little steps and this more expansion of my thought in my mind and the possibilities. And the more I got a little bit of that and saw the next step, I would get more of that and it would go bigger. And the other stuff became less and less acceptable too. Yes. That's the thing. It's like the thing that you were like, originally, it's like, yes, I want to be able to work remotely, meaning the same job because it was good income. I remember you were saying even you got that other job offer and you took it for like a week. It's like, wait, I don't even (laughs) want this. I don't even want this. And for some of us listening, especially when we talk about single motherhood and single black motherhood too. We're like, nah, nah, that's crazy. I'm not in that position. I would not turn down an opportunity because my children, we got to eat. They come first. All of these legitimate things that we think 
but they're really anchors. They're really things that tether us to the life of at least this is what I know. So what's so powerful, one of the many things, I feel like I'm going to say that 80 times while I'm talking to you, Asia. (laughs) One of the things that is so powerful about your story is that you are basically reminding us and showing us that we don't have to know first. For some of us, it is very much one major aha pinpoint moment. Picture it, Sicily, 1976, and we could say exactly what happened, (laughs) (laughs) right? But it could be one specific thing. And so that's a part of the mythology around it too, that we're like, oh, I don't have a thing. My kids are not doing great in school at all, but... Neither was I, and I did okay, and with the opportunities, they could really do better. Or whatever the thing is, they're just all these things that come up. I don't have this one concrete thing, and I don't have a partner, and we can't just up and go, and I don't have a severance. I don't have the benefits of that. I don't have savings. But you are telling us a different story. You're saying, no, it wasn't one aha moment. I can't pinpoint a thing. I started going down that path, and then the things were revealed like they showed up and I was like oh okay that makes sense that doesn't oh that makes sense that doesn't you somehow knew that you could trust that a process was unfolding and you followed that process right to Mexico right to the point where your son (laughs) is not stressed your son who is 11 or 12 now right he's 11 he was 10 when we came yeah so he was 10 saying that he's not stressed anymore like he was very familiar with what stress felt like. And so was his mama. And you're saying to us, Asia is saying to you listening that you don't have to know how it's going to happen first. You can actually go down a process, go down and trust yourself and explore things. And in this case, (laughs) the single mom's path to freedom is a resource for you to be around. Exactly. Exactly. In a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. We help you do it because I've been there and it's, man, it's a lot. And so if I had it laid out for me, if I had a group where I have support from other people doing the same thing, and we're all in the same boat, we're all single moms, we all have kids relying on us. If I had that, boy, it would have made stuff so much easier. I would have felt like I was supported. I would have had like a joy. People ask me all the time, are you excited? I would like, no, like it's not (laughs) that I wasn't excited, but I was so damn terrified. I was so like, what am I doing? Yes. And that there was no room for joy or excitement. It was just like, I'm going to push through this. I'm really not excited. I'm really scared as hell, (sighs) but I can't stay like this. And so I'm willing to go unexcited. I'm willing to go unjoyfully and see what happens. But if I had a group who could help me feel that joy, who could relieve some of that fear and the stress. And that would have been a game changer. (laughs) And I thought about when you were talking, I wanted to remember to say this because people will easily be like, well, I'm not a free flowing person. Mm -hmm. That comes up so much. Yes. Yeah. So that might work for you. But let me tell you, I'm not free flowing either. Okay. In my 20s, I'll never forget when I was 24, I literally spent the whole day writing out my five-year plan. And my five-year plan went from one year, year five and year four was one year out. When I hit three years, it was every six months out. When I hit two years, it was quarterly. And when I hit one year, it was monthly. No games were being played. You had that shit laid out. 
<laughs> right. So I'm a planner. Okay. <laughs> so it's not that, oh, this is my personality. I'm free flowing. It's not that. It was, I wanted something different. And like you said, when you start to see the nuggets open up on the something different, the what you've known becomes unacceptable. And so it's like you're in this weird place of like going forward is scary, but going backwards is terrifying. That's right. And it is beyond terrifying. It just feels like it's not an option. So when you take those things now off the table, a bunch of other things become an option. When you are no longer focused on the cities in the world where sales jobs work best. And we're not picking on you if you're listening. We're not, <laughs> we all have our own versions of the sales jobs. Trust. Exactly. But if you're no longer confined by that thing, now you have so many other options. And that's what is so important to know here. That's why mindset is so important because so much of it is like you don't even realize how many things, how many bags are in front of the actual options you have. Yeah. Because we've just carried all this baggage with us through the process. And then people are putting more of their baggage, their fears about our safety because they love us and all of this and they love our children. (laughs) And they put all of these things in from a space of love. Oftentimes they put those bags in front of the way too. So supportive spaces like the ones that you are creating here in the group setting. And also I'm sure there's a lot of like one-on-one people end up connecting with each other, people who are, so a lot of those things are happening. So community is happening. And what that does is it allows you to be able to not have this romanticized idea of what it's going to be when you and your children whisk off to the beautiful (laughs) beaches of Oaxaca or, you know, or wherever in Mexico. It's, we say that. And then you have people like us who are planners who are like, that shit sounds suspect. How'd I work? How do you have blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So this is the space where you go in and you get those details. You find out what is actually not suspect at all. It's just that you haven't been acclimated to that. You haven't, there have been so many bags in your way. And now we're going to move those bags out of the way a little bit so you can really like move around in your world. Yes, that is so legit. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't even take you taking these calculated steps. Sometimes it just takes exposure and being around it, right? Because as long as you're just willing to hear things if you're just willing to be around other people like you might be around the people and think these people are crazy as hell right but you're around it and guess what in three months you're gonna start seeing what you was used to as normal and what these crazy as hell people are doing (laughs) starts to come more normal to you because I had that experience that I didn't even know was happening with me with school right so my son's school he had been in public school from kindergarten to third and it was hell the whole time. It was horrendous, but that's what I knew. My, I put my kid in public school. You fight through the fight, you get through it. Yep. And we hit a point where I was tired of fighting because I'd be at the school every week. I was tired of it. We had a meeting and I literally like flipped out on everybody in the meeting and <laughs> apologized to the assistant principal because she was like the only person who really supported us. And she was like, don't apologize. Sometimes it has to be that way. And my son came home. So I'm having these fights. And then my son comes home one day and he's like, can you just put me in a school where they get me? 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? So I went on this search to find these schools and I found this private school that they call it student-led, project-led. And I didn't know at the time this was moving me on a path to unschooling. I had no idea. And I put him in this school and he absolutely loved this school. They had teachers, they had curriculum, but the classrooms were tiny, like four to five kids in a class. And they might say, okay, we're going to learn about the ocean, but they would ask the kids, what do you already know about the ocean? What do you think you know about the ocean? What do you want to know about the ocean? And then they would frame the whole lesson based on what the kids responded. Mm -hmm. And when they did Gosh, what's it called? When they check to see how well you're doing. I can't think of the word right now. Oh, like testing or? Yeah, they wouldn't test. I love that you couldn't think of that word. We don't like that. (laughs) I I still can't think of it, even though (laughs) they wouldn't do that. They would let the kids pick what they want to do. And the kids could write a song. They could record a skit. They could do it however they wanted to do it, as long as they show that they understood what they were learning. And it's so funny because at the end of the year, I was having these conversations with the teacher and I'm like, you guys have given my son his spirit back, his self-confidence, all this stuff, but he can't write a three paragraph paper anymore. Like this is unacceptable. So I'm teetering (laughs) in the middle of traditional and unschooling and I don't even know it. Yes. So he can't (laughs) even write a page paper anymore. Like I'm not seeing him excel academically like he should have. Like, where's the progress? I see all this over here, but where's the (laughs) right here? And I pulled him out the school and I put him in another school that was more focused on academics and all this. And he hated it. He was dying inside again. And I'll never forget the teacher wrote me this letter and she says, your son is struggling in this area of math, which is like math is a struggle for him in general. So I always preface the teachers with he's going to be challenged in math. So she knew this already. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but he should be great for the test. Oh, and I remember reading that note thinking, why the hell does he need to be great for the test? <laughs> right. So <laughs> I had gone through this complete shift yes. without even knowing it. Exactly. I just put myself in a different environment. I just put myself around people who thought differently and did it differently and saw differently that I didn't even know that I was having this internal shift around my perspective of grading and teaching and testing until I was back in it. And then I'm like, you recognize that as ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. And your son had been telling you, that's the thing, like they know, they express it in different ways, even if like my oldest is very much, she likes curriculum in some instances, and she is definitely a person of structure. And so even children like that will still let you know that school doesn't work for them. Yes. So that idea of the things that we used to do that were normal, that we start to see them as crazy and like we flip the script on what's normal and what's crazy, that's de-schooling. That's mm-hmm. what that is. 
And there's no formalized process. That's why I don't believe in the idea of for every year you were in school, you need this amount of time. Goodbye, (laughs) sir. Good day. Sit down. (laughs) Foolishness. You have to go through that process your own self. You have to feel through that shit. Your kid has to feel through it for themselves. And you won't even recognize half of it till like years later. Like, ow, I was de-schooling from that, wasn't I? Like, I go through that all the time in eight years in. Well, first of all, there are things that I'm still de-schooling from. And then there's other stuff where I'm like... Oh, man, I was woke. I didn't even know. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or look how asleep I was. Yeah. And I didn't know. I had no idea. And it's funny because you, and like you, I've heard you say before, it's a process and it's ongoing. Right. So just because I had hit that point where I put him back into school and I was like, why you got to grade him with a test? Like we had went to a Sudbury school after that. And I was still like, oh, no, this is crazy. Right. (laughs) So I still wasn't completely de-schooled. Right. It was just like levels. And it'll continue to be. Yeah, exactly. And you continue. And so even now, like you said, with the structure, it's funny because when we switched to homeschool, because I was just like, I got to pull him out of this. And we had a curriculum, but we joined a co-op. And so everybody in the co-op does different things. And my son really clicked with one little boy whose family unschooled. Ah. And son eventually came to me one morning and he <laughs> says, this is boring doing this same curriculum every day. Can what? we unschool? And I was like, mm, unschool. He's like, yeah, like I want to unschool in this. And so I sat him down. And I told him, I said, I'm very aware of what unschooling is. I love the concept of it. I love it for me. How right. Because right? I was stressed out tracking him, what he was doing. I told him, but unschooling like really works for students who are self-motivated. I will be honest with you. I see you struggle in that area. Mm. And so we agreed on like a trial period. Okay. And this is good. The conversation is important. I think the only wrong answer would be, no, I'm not hearing it. I'm not listening. (laughs) You go through your process together and you are honest with each other because you're partnering in this instance. But he still has a mama and who has a perspective that is going to be broader than his, not better, but broader. So you keep having these conversations and maybe a year from now you have the conversation again or whenever the trial ends and he might say, which is what I would say to you, (laughs) of course, I'm struggling with the idea of doing it on my own because this stuff is boring. Would I be more motivated if I had more time to do the thing? You know what I'm saying? Like that may come up or he might say, oh, you were right. I actually needed this for this part or whatever. But the point is that you're listening to him and y'all are testing things out together and he feels heard. Yes. And that's the freedom. Right. And that's what I want people. That's why I stress in my course, because it's like, don't go abroad and then be trying to do the same old stuff. Like, don't just move the location and keep the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. The mindset and everything. You literally just moved the location. It's like you could have moved from Atlanta to Texas. Like, why'd you move abroad? Right. Yes. So the whole thing of abroad, at least for me, is the opportunity to do any and everything differently. And it's funny because what you're saying with the schooling, it's funny. The minute we landed in Mexico, he got real serious about doing his curriculum again. (laughs) Right. So he is like every morning he gets up and he is serious about that curriculum where in Atlanta, it was like, I don't want to do this. So now he does a curriculum 
every day. It's not the same. We've come up with like a hodgepodge of things. So what works for him in different curriculums. So he has what he does and he does it diligently every day. And sometimes some Saturdays he's getting up like, I'm going to do my schoolwork. I'm like, you know, it's Saturday, right? Yeah, but I love it. I just want to do it. And then for the rest of the day, it's like, let's go into town. Let's go do. So it's like, we've got a good mixture now, but I'm trusting what he's telling me. Good. And that's the work. Yeah, that's the work. I feel like de-schooling is more for the parents. It is. This is what we listen. I say this all the time, all the time. In a sense, unschooling and de-schooling is all about us as the adults and also ain't got shit to do with us at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's all about us in that we are the ones who need to de-school and that also we are in the position of power. So our children can only be as free as we are understanding freedom, not as free as we are, because I don't think I have to be free for my children to be free. But in order to facilitate that or to be in the way of that, which is what's easier to do. So that's what the thing is with de-schooling for us. And then also the same thing with unschooling, unlearning these ideas. So the more we start to unlearn, then the less it becomes about us and the more we are following their lead. So y'all are just one year in. So a year, one year from now, it'll be a totally different conversation. I promise you. I promise you. If you continue down the path that you're going now in terms of trusting yourself and listening to him, it's just going to shift and not necessarily with a focus on curriculum. He may still enjoy it. It may be one that is focused more on one particular topic. He might let some other things go. He might let the whole thing go and then come back to it a year from now and be like, actually, I'm trying to go to college in two years or I never want to go because I want to be a marine biologist in the place right up the road. This guy's willing to mentor me. Can we start next week? The world is an option for him now in a very literal way. Yes. And that's what I wanted. And I think you're right. We're only one year in, but I also think moving accelerated it. Right. Because. Oh yeah. Comfort zone done. <laughs> yeah. Like we're not confined by the lovingly fear driven stuff. Exactly. You can't just go to Target and be like, let me just get this workbook. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen a Target like in months. Right. So no, it's like in the books we do see they're in Spanish. So it's like, okay, well you want to learn Spanish, right? right? So it's a struggle any kind of way. It's like you will be forced to be open. Yes. You will be forced to see new opportunities in new ways. And if you, you know what? That's the wrong word because you can't come here and not be forced to do it. That's and true. you're going to be miserable. You'll bring it right with you. Yeah. And then you'll be like, man, it's just everywhere. It's everything. No, it's you. It's you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's you. And so I'm wrong with the force. You can come here with that same thing, but you're going to hate it. And it's you. It's not everything around you. And so for me, it's like, let me be open. Like I didn't move to be stuck in the same stuff. So let me be open as much as it's uncomfortable. I feel like I needed to create a space because I hear a lot of people talking, but I'm not seeing the same percentage going and getting it. And maybe if there was just a space to help bridge from that one place to the next, then maybe more people would be willing to do it. Because when I talk about freedom, when we call it that, the single mom's path to freedom, it's not just money. But let me tell you, it is money. Like, don't think because you don't make a lot of money, you can't live abroad. If you don't make a lot of money, you need to live abroad, okay? 
Be sure to check out the show notes page for today's episode, AkilaSRichards.com forward slash eight two. AOC Mosaic in Charlotte, North Carolina is hiring a full-time facilitator to work with its students in the ages 7 to 16 range and in partnership with the rest of the school's staff, team, students, and parents. Agile learning facilitators act as models, space holders, and mentors of self-directed living and intentional culture creation. Above all, Facilitators need to be grounded in the perspective of trusting children, partnership-based relationships, and personal responsibility. It's a full-time role Monday through Friday, 9 to 4. It starts August 20th of this year and ends June 19th of next year. Full details are on alcmosaic.org, and also you can get to that link directly from the show notes page. Y'all, so check out what Asia is doing. Get connected. If it's only just reading through the blog post so that you can start imagining yourself outside of your current circumstance, that's a good step. Start there, all right? Asia, is there anything before we close that you needed us to know that I didn't ask or bring up? No, I just want everybody to know that if this is for you, it's for you. Like, I don't mean my course per se. I mean the life. Right. And so don't talk yourself out of it. Just be willing to be open and just open yourself to whatever your next step is. And you'll get there. Everybody doesn't have the same timetable. Love it. Thank you, Asia. We will be in touch. Thank you. (laughs) So that's the show. Yeah. So that's the show. Hey, even as I listen to this again, (laughs) to create the outro, I was like, man, I so appreciate Asia. So make sure y'all head over to doinglifeafraid.com, which is her blog. Also the links to the program that Asia is running that we're about to play together inside of as well. So you'll hear some more details about how we are going to collaborate and, um, offer the experiences that we have as mamas who chose to travel, you know, the logistics around all of that, the mindset around all of that, the details around all of that. We're going to do that together. I'm actually so glad that the editing of this episode is coming up after Asia and I got to meet in person because we're both in the U.S. at the same time this year. That's what's up. And um, we got a chance to really sit and chat. So I'm super, super excited about what she's doing. She's super excited about what I'm doing. So we're like, let's figure out how to do this together. Talk to you next week. Peace.